Hola, ¿qué tal amigos? Welcome to another episode of Academics on Amigos. I'm your host, Anthony Ramirez. We have a great episode today. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Academics and Amigos. I am your host, Anthony Ramirez. And today we are talking about one of a side project that I get to work with some amazing people. And I have these amazing people as my guests today. I have Emily Rosenthal, who is a, a PhD student in, at, I was going to say Texas A&M, but it's now Syracuse <laughs> University. Um, and uh, Emily is a friend of mine and a colleague of mine uh, that she used to be here at Texas A&M. That's why I was about to say that and uh, transferred to Syracuse. And uh, she's doing some amazing things over there, including um, helping out with this project that we're about to talk about today. And um, the other person is a former uh, guest and uh, will probably be a reoccurring guest in the future as well. Uh, you've, you know him uh, as Dr. Joey Lopez, a.k.a. Professor Joey Lopez, a.k.a. Joey Lopez. And that's all I got with AKAs. Um, but um, we're here to talk to you all today about um, an initiative that we all created together called ReSocial. And so um, how's everyone doing today? Doing good. Thank you so much, Anthony. Emily, we're definitely going to have like a solo episode together one of these days because we need to talk about the research you do. And I think it's so great. Um, and I just love having conversations with you, Emily, because you're, you're just one of the coolest people I know, too. So I'm Aww. super excited to have that down the line. But I'm excited to have you here and talk about ReSocial. Um, spoilers, that's what we're talking about today. Joey, what's up, man? How are you? I was just going to say, I was like, as a fan of Anthony's podcast, I would love to have I would love for you to have Emily on it because that would be a great conversation. Like you, like, <clears throat> like, you know, like I, I take every single podcast that you put out like seriously. And, uh, and so hearing what Emily's up to, like, is going to be legit. I'm excited. We just had that conversation prior to recording too. So. Oh, I'm being let it on a secret conversation. I love prior, it. Prior to, even prior to, no, I'm serious. Like, no, I'm, like it's, I listen, I've listened to every single one of your podcasts and, your podcasts have influenced my academic trajectory. I mean, like directly. So it's like, I mean, and I mean that as a compliment, you know, obviously. And, and so, you know, it, it, your podcast has put into motion collaborations that didn't exist before your podcast happened. That's very true. So, yeah. It's been great. I, I love listening to them and I, and I look forward to many. Um, like just a little sidetrack before we get into resocial. Um, I was actually having a conversation with somebody about that and saying how I um, initially started the podcast because I would I wanted to talk to people during the pandemic, especially when we were isolated, because I felt very lonely. <laughs> and so and it's crazy how this one little project that I did because I was lonely during the pandemic and during quarantine turned into something so much bigger that I'm really proud to say that people are resonating with. And like you said, Joey, um, created some amazing, amazing collaborations and projects and hearing people doing cool stuff out of it too. So that's awesome. Speaking of cool projects, um, transition, um, we, uh, we, we are all working together and have started a new project or initiative, as I like to call it, called ReSocial. And so I'm curious, like, I always give the spiel, like, whenever I have to talk about it, but I'm curious, like, how would you all both define um, or explain what ReSocial is to anybody? That's a good question. Um, I've got that a lot now that we're, like, kind of pumping out some content. 
Um, and I guess like the most basic definition to me is it's a community where we're bringing together people that create media and consume media and research media um, and kind of curating that space for everyone. Um, but I guess if I were to explain it in more detail um, and kind of get into a little bit of why I got involved with it is because I don't really like this idea of like the binary between like media creators and media consumers I, and research researchers and then people that consume research. Because I feel like at this point in society, we, we all kind of do all of it. So I feel like this is a place where we can like kind of get involved with that and to break that down and to show that you can make content, you can be a researcher and you can be all these different facets of yourself and you don't have to hide any of them. I love that answer. That was good. Joy, what are your thoughts on it? Like what is um, re-social? How would you define re-social? Well, re-social is a group of, of people that come together and think about um, uh, kind of academic research and deliver it in a consumable way, in a social way. And that's like the idea behind it. Now, what we've been doing lately with our um, Instagram and uh, TikTok is something I t I'm deeply rooted in because I am a non-traditional academic. I have a PhD in media studies from the top five programs in the nation, or top 10 programs. I don't know what it is nowadays. And, um, <coughs> excuse me. And uh, what's amazing about it is that I always was surrounded by people that were published or perish when I was uh, at UT other than a handful of people. And they never really understood kind of what I did because I do non-traditional academia. And so with this format, we're able to like really, really blend that line. We're able to take academic ideas, research big R1 institution style research and break it down and deliver it in consumable ways for people to understand and experience um, and on social media platforms. And it is really cool. It's, it's, it's uh, genuine and it comes from my, in my opinion, you know, it comes from a, a good place and a well-intentioned place. And, um, and like Emily says, it's kind of blurring that line, uh, you know, kind of, uh, offering <clears throat> like a, a, a a trajectory for people to see that academics don't just write papers. Like we think about this stuff all the time and, and what, what, what we may think of as like in mundane ways that are compelling. So what I mean by that is that not mundane as in boring, but mundane as in that show that you're watching and you think that little thing about, like sometimes that's something more than just that little thing and it, and just talking about it and starting discussion around it ends up uh, becoming discourse. Uh, what is what we call it in, in academia, a.k.a. Um, something of, of significance. Yeah, definitely. Like, re-social is all of that, definitely. Um, what made you both interested in this initiative? Um, and, like, when I guess when I first approached you both about it, like, what, what made you, like, interested in wanting to be like, let's do this, let's work together, I'm, I'm down. Because I remember when I both kind of, like, approached you about this project it was like hey this is an idea that i have what do you think about collaborating together and um and both of you had like this like super excitement like when i told you about it um so what what made you excited about resocial I remember that moment too, because we were at a game night at my house before I moved to Syracuse and you started talking to me about it. And it was something that I hadn't really like structurally like thought about in my mind. Like I hadn't, like it was kind of abstract, 
But I think for me, it was just getting involved in academia and kind of realizing the lack of access to research or to knowledge. And like that just kind of sitting in the back of my mind. But then also during the pandemic, And during the summer of 2020, uh, when we had, you know, a lot more conversations about racial trauma going on in the U.S., it was when I was seeing people on Facebook saying, you know, like, oh, you know, look at these books. Like, I'm so glad people are publishing on, you know, critical race theory now, or I'm so glad people are talking about this. And I'm like, those aren't new books. Like, those books have been around for decades, but clearly, like, the general population doesn't know they exist. And that's really horrifying. <laughs> um, so, like, I think that 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 was kind of a, one of those big like stimuli that really got me thinking about it more concretely. Is like we need to find a way to make research accessible and to engage people with research. And then also starting to see these trends on TikTok. So people that were actually educating audiences on TikTok with like tens of thousands, millions of views. And I'm like, you know, we need to be doing more of this as academics instead of just waiting two years for our piece to be published and like tweeting it out once. Like we need to be actually engaging with people. Um, and that's part of our responsibility if we care about social justice and research. So I think you talking about it at the at the board game night, I was like, oh, this is that. Like this is an initiative that will do that. So that's what got me really excited about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I'm an enthusiast in general. Most people that know me know that. Like I, I'm a huge facilitator, not a dictator. I don't want to uh, tell people what to do. I just want to go f- along for the journey and the ride. And, <clears throat> you know, it took me like a year for you to get to hang out with me. And, uh, and once you did and you talking about this idea of what you wanted to do, I was like, dude, I'll do whatever. I just want to keep hanging out and have a good time. And, um, and I earnestly mean that if you know that, and, um, and so when you, when you started teasing this out, all I did was ask you questions. I wasn't like, well, you should do this and you should do that. And well, well, I was just like, this is cool. Like, just keep telling me about this. And, and so we talked about it for months and months and months. And I, and I would never tell you like, you know, you really need to get this thing going, you know, you're uh, like, like you would think most professors would do. I was just like, yeah, man, whenever, whenever, you know, and, uh, and it, and it just came to fruition and the, the, uh, uh, the way I got interested in it, like, uh, from my own standpoint, meaning like, yes, I know I say I facilitate, but obviously I have to have some stake, right? So my stake was, um, one, <clears throat> I love collaboration and I love radical trajectory. I love starting things with people who are earnestly trying to do something that has potential to have radical, uh, uh potential, like have radical effects, Right. And, um, and that's what I see in this. I see a platform that can go out there and engage with R1 style researchers, professionals, lecturers, and, and the common public to under, better understand what's going on in our media and, uh, and on a lot of different topics that range uh, from, all, from practice to art to, to, like I said, R1 research and in uh, theory. And so I'm, I'm just... It, it's, uh, and it's, and it's, uh, multi, it's multifaceted, multi-platform, you know, I, I just, I like that. And, and, and those, you know, I come from the startup world where people throw cheesy stuff around like that all the time, but that's, but this one really is that, I mean, this one really does deliver its goods in that form that we're not, we're not tied to a plat- platform literally like YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. We're just looking at the social and cultural trends of people's practices and trying to deliver messages of what's going on in certain topics 
in a compelling way. And so that, that's what interested me. Yeah. So before I get to the future of eSocial, like with this first project or this first call that we did together, um, what are some interesting aspects that you learned? So for, to provide a little bit of context for people, our first call that we did, was kind of an associated project with, um, a, a group of uh, scholars that we are also collaborating with called the Latinx Creative um, Consortium. Consortium, and so um, it, it's 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 um, headed by uh, another former guest of the of Academics and Amigos, uh, Doctor Frederick Luis Aldama. So shout out to Doctor Aldama. And um, our first call that we did was um, inspired by Dia de los Muertos or Dia de Muertos. And throughout that process, it was a really interesting, um, like, it, it was kind of like a beta testing for us, I guess. Um, and so I'm curious, like, through the process of, of this first call, like, what did you all, um, like, I don't know, what did you all think about that and, like, about the process and um, about it? And uh, I don't know, just what, are, what was your experience of working on, on this first call? And... Um, you know, and then maybe we can talk about like the future of free social afterwards. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great question. Um, I think kind of like generally for me, I generally think about like impact as kind of outcomes and especially with social media, it's really kind of like attractive to like look for numbers and like try to increase follower count and do all these things that you have metrics for and can track. Um, but I think with our first call, it really taught me that that really isn't how we should be evaluating impact. Like we really should be looking at, you know, is this a place where people feel included? Is this a community where people can engage? These things that are difficult to measure, but you can definitely feel when they're present and you can feel when they're absent. Um, so I'd say, with yeah, that was really what I learned is like, this is what's important to focus on. You know, the numbers come second, like they'll, you know, they'll naturally follow if you build a space where people feel respected and they feel included. So I think it was good that we had that to kind of like realign my goals a little bit because I kind of get stuck in that sometimes, the the quantitative metrics. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, this first run was like uh, inadvertently very personal, <laughs> meaning like <clears throat> I uh, we were like, yeah, Dios de los Matos, like let's do that. And um, it's a good topic. It's, you know, it aligns with the consortium that we were doing. And then next thing I know, like I have Anthony at my apartment and I'm building a, a Dios de los Muertos altar out of a shoebox. And I'm like, well, this is real. Like this is, this is like, I mean, <clears throat> I'm a media producer. Like y'all heard, I'm, a, I'm an enthusiast of, of everything that I like commit to doing. And so I'm making this altar and I'm like going back into the history of my life. And I'm going back and, and thinking about, well, how do I celebrate these, these uh, uh, topics, both as a person and as an academic and really doing what we said we were going to do, which was like to create pieces and, and reach out to people at a personal level, but with academic intention to create uh, posts that have impact and to be doing it myself was just like super meta reflexive and, and I enjoyed it immensely. And I ended up making this, this, uh, uh altar that means a lot to me. I still have it right next to me. I'm going to take it to my office, uh, at A&M and, and, and put it there. And, um, and then, and then seeing like Anthony and I were, and, 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 and Emily were all really nervous about 
garnering the content. <clears throat> it's one thing to say you're going to do stuff, especially when nobody knows who you are and you put this call out and for the first two weeks, nobody responds. Yeah. And then you have to remember that like Dios de los Metos, it's not just a topic. It, if you're putting it by Dios de los Metos, I mean, that's, that's an event. That's something that's happening. And people are thinking about it like two or three days before it happens, you know, and the day of. And so uh, when we learned a lot, we learned a whole lot. We learned a lot about releasing, when to release, how to release, how to tap, like all, all of like the really great nitty gritty of, of starting something really occurred in a good way on this first run. I mean, we, 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 we learned <laughs> like culturally, socially, technologically, like on every level, on every front in terms of capital, we gained something out of doing this first one. And it, and, and, and I know we're not on the, the, what's the future hold, but like it definitely just got us more and more excited about the future. And it also, <clears throat> um, let us revel in it, especially because it was aligned with a symposium that ended up just being amazing. Uh, cause we did host a symposium the night of Dios de los Muertos. That was amazing as well. And, and we got to show resocial there, like at the symposium in zoom, uh, which is not a building. It's just a place that we're in virtually. Like I always, I'm sarcastic. So I had to do that. And, um, and so, and so it was amazing. It was like, it was, it was, and we got to show them resource and they're like, wow, this is cool. And, and, it, and I'm not going to lie. It was cool to see people follow our channel while we're talking about it, literally there in, in our chat and, and have people pick up on it. So, so yeah, that was the first run to me, which is, it went amazingly well. Um, but that's not to say that we weren't nervous, that we didn't think we had failed at one point because we thought we had failed and that we weren't going to get any submissions. We thought we hadn't <clears throat> garnered enough people. We thought, we thought, we thought, we thought. And then, you know what? Like we were, we just didn't know. We didn't know what we were doing in a good way. And, and it not only did it work out, it worked out really, really well and had a lot of impact on us and the people that uh, participated. I, I agree. And I guess if I were to give my two cents on this too, it's just, um, we, we did learn a lot about the process of, of all the, st like the submission process, the, the approaching people, um, for submission process of it. Um, and, and just, uh, just a lot in the process of, of in general. And when we did get submissions, we would all look at them and dissect them to ourselves. And, and we would kind of go over like, and just kind of revel in like how cool this, the work is that people are sharing with us because like people weren't just sharing like their submissions or sharing a piece of themselves, especially with a topic like Dia de Muertos. It had like, I didn't realize until like looking at every single one of those pieces that people submitted, including the ones that, that we submitted ourselves, were how much their identity was truly involved within each of their own pieces and, and, and submissions that they shared. And, and it was just, um, it was, it was a lot deeper in terms of like, like, like looking at it kind of like a philosophical aspect, I guess. Um, and kind of like a more emotional aspect as well. It was just like, it was a lot deeper um, than I thought it was going to be, you know, I thought it was going to be like, Oh, cool. These are just some really cool um, work that people are sharing, or this is cool for X, Y, and Z reasons. But, and they were, they were all really cool for different reasons, but 
it had a lot of deeper emotional ties than I expected. And I was just like really fascinated by that. And I just really appreciate those who really like um, submitted to that Dia de, de Muertos um, uh, call that we had. And just um, we're looking forward to the next next set of calls that we have coming up. And so with that being said, like, what do you all uh, what do you all think about the future of ReSocial? What do you think the future is for ReSocial? That's a very loaded question. Like, I even think about it myself. And I'm just like, wow. Um because we always ideate about it. So where would we want to take ReSocial? That's the question, I guess. I feel like I need some time for this one. Okay. I, I mean, I can talk. Go for it, Joe. So, well, you know, there's a lot of growth, room for growth, and a lot of room for learning on our part with this initiative. You know, one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is building out uh, a team in an equitable way, you know, building out our group in, a, in an equitable way and seeing, you know, we're going to learn from that. We're going to make mistakes, um, <clears throat> but they'll be earnest, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, like, like, a and, uh, and, you know, that to me, like one of the biggest challenges about doing something like this is keeping the organicness and also the energy and, and intent there, you know, um, it's so, it's so easy to get caught up in thinking the process is what saw, what made this. And sometimes uh, you got to realize it's the people and we can change the process and, and be flexible uh, for people to create equity. And so that's kind of like one of my big things that I'm really looking forward to is just seeing how, uh, one, how we build out our group. And then two, when we're doing our calls, uh, I'm really excited about seeing different versions of that, you know, because it's basically like curating and creating equity and curating is very tough. It's very, very hard, you know, feeling like you've done your due diligence, not excluding people, you know, most exclusion in my opinion happens not through intent, but in, in terms of just not knowing any better. And, and I admit to that all the time. I'm a, I constantly fail at equity because of that, you know, because I just didn't know, I didn't know. And so, um, you know, with, with what we're doing, I'm looking forward to a future of us <clears throat> exploring and growing as a group from that. And then personally, like each of us growing from it and seeing how like, like a, I'm a big, big future, like far thinker too. And, and that, how does that navigate our careers and then our relationships with others in general? Thank you so much, Joey. That was so good. Um, I feel like that, like that really kind of um, made me think about how, like, I really appreciate the dynamic of our team so far. And like, like, I feel like we're already like a little community and there's like not a lot of pressure to like keep doing things, um, but to really like, I don't know, keep that kind of feeling as we scale up. And I think that will be difficult, but I think that's super important because that's kind of what the essence of ReSocial is. It's about building that community space um, and building community among one another and then kind of reflecting that on social media. 
Um, and so I think that really focusing on on those, like kind of our mission and what we want the space to feel like uh, will help us grow. And I'm really excited to see like, like more people get involved on the team and to like scale up, you know, to have people guest curate, like all of those things just sound like so fun and exciting. Um, yeah, I guess I just can't stop smiling when I'm talking about the future of ReSocial. Like it, it is like, I feel like it's going to go somewhere really great. And I feel like we're going to keep learning and it's just going to like exponentially get a lot bigger. So I'm really excited for that. I agree. Like I'm super excited to see like the potential of where an, where an initiative like this can really develop and grow. Because, you know, I I jokingly, like, well, jokingly and unjokingly called ReSocial kind of like the future of academia, but that's the way I kind of perceive it to be, you know? Um, I'd like it to become like what, you know, academics can do, you know? Um, where we can showcase our work with the generalized public, where we can, you know, showcase our work that is in a consumable way too. That's not just um, journals or conferences and stuff like that too. You know, why, why can't we share this type of work that we do, not just with other academics, but our students in a platform that they can digest and understand like fully in comparison just to the classroom, you know? And so um all the stuff that Emily and Joey just mentioned is exactly what, you know, what we would love to do and hope to do, um, especially like having uh, future curated calls. So we're excited for that. And if anyone's ever interested in that, we will share the contact information um, uh, towards the end of the episode. So we're super excited about that. And the next thing we're super excited about is our next call. So um, I don't know if anybody wants to announce like what our next call, which is probably going to be up on our social media pages already. So, um, you know, who wants to announce what our next call is? Emily? So our next call is going to be about media representation, which is something that's really close to my heart and really close to Anthony's heart. And probably really close to Joey's heart too. Um, so I'm really excited about that, um, especially because I feel like all of us can relate to media and have something to say about seeing people like us in media or not seeing people like us in media and kind of how that makes us feel. Um, and so I will also say that I made a video today, which was my first TikTok ever. So like be gentle with me. Um, but like that shows some of my favorite books on media representation, specifically indigenous media representation. So I'd also like to invite you, if you're listening, to send a video of um, like of yourself sharing some of the favorite um, books that you have about media representation or media in general, because um, we would love to see that and to highlight that on our social media, too. Absolutely. We'd love that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, media representation like uh, is my jam. I y'all know I'm a polymath. I double dip. I annoy everybody at faculty meetings because I'm like, oh yeah, I do that, and they're just like, oh, he does everything. This is so annoying, and and I I and I hate that guy too myself. Okay, <laughs> like I admit it. Okay, I just don't know what to say. But like, this is the story. Is like back in when I was an undergrad, I took RTF 316, and um, <clears throat> I was in a very very fortunate position where. I uh, got assigned to do a paper about media representations and I didn't want to do that. Guess what? I wanted to make a video, right? And so I team up with my uh, then friend from high school, Stephen Innes, who goes on to get an MFA in, in filmmaking, right? And I'm over here, Mr. PhD, but 
then we were just like two naive students. And um, he's like, hey, there's this guy that does media representation in our department. You should, we should, you know, you and I should like interview him. And I'm like, hey, we should like interview people on the street. And he's like, yeah, that'd be cool. And we'll just talk about like Latinos and, and representations of Latinos. And so we go and we interview this guy named Charles Ramirezberg, who ends up being like one of the biggest like media representation you know, scholars of, 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 uh, Latino representation. And then we go and we, we ask all these people like, you know, what are stereotypes you see in the media? And we end up making this like 15 minute video that it ends up getting shown. Like, I don't know it's to this day, but it was shown for at least a good 10 years on media representations. And, and it really opened up doors for me with a lot of different professors, including Charles Ramirezberg, who I ended up working with and um and so media representation to me is just it's uh it plays such a, a crucial role um yeah mine was on latinos but like you've got asians like looking at squid games and otherization of death like i, I would love like if i was a if i if i was a true like media representation scholar like that's what i'd be writing on right like i'd be i i have like so many different ones in rap music and then uh looking at like uh, um uh just oh man there's just so much appalachia and white trash and and looking at like uh, uh poor uh, uh socioeconomic issues um and and just all these representations and what they've come brought to fruition in society and the reflexiveness that they play in everyday life you know I mean, i'm just really really interested in that and i'll sum it up with when dwight yoakam talked about you know bakersfield the song that he did with Flaco Jimenez and talking about white trash and, uh, and immigrant workers, you know, and Okies and how, you know, these socioeconomic issues represented in, in, um, and song can often bring people together, you know? And like, to me, that's what's so crazy in a good way of, of media representations is that, yeah, we have stereotypes, but we also have like times where things are brought together because of media representations and we feel unity and, and things like that. And so that's, that's a big part of, of why I'm excited about this call. Yeah. Um, I'm super excited about it as well, because I mean, a majority of my academic research, scholarly research is on media representations. I mean, my dissertations on media representation. So, um, I'm, uh, I'm super excited for this call too, and to see what people submit and share with us. And so, um, yeah, if you're interested in wanting to um, be a part of ReSocial in any way, whether it's a submission or maybe want to work with us down the line, we would love that. Um, our email is contact.resocial at gmail.com. And if you want to visit our website, it's re-socialmedia.com. Again, that's re-socialmedia.com. There you can check out past calls. You can check out um, contact information and just a little bit more about us in the process. Um, with all that being said, any final thoughts on that you all want to share? I guess I just want to say thank you for having us on your podcast. It's super cool to be here. And I am excited for the possibility of being on individually too, to talk more about my research and kind of academic trajectory. Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, no, just thanks for having us. Um, check out ReSocial. We, uh, we're really excited about this project. I'm really proud of everything that Anthony and Emily are doing on this project. 
like I said, I just kind of join in for the journey and and ramble a little too much sometimes. So, so yeah, thank y'all for letting me bug y'all. Let me just throw in before we end the, end the meeting is that we like, I, I know like all of us mention every time we have a meeting together, that this is something that we look forward to every single week. Like we genuinely do, genuinely do. And um, we not only talk about the resocial projects itself and what we want to do with it, but we also um, just kind of ideate about different aspects of life as well. And we, we sometimes get really deep too. And, um, you know, so it's, it's really cool to have um, amazing people like Emily and Joey to be working with on, in a project like this. And um, I'm, I'm very lucky to be able to work with them and call them not only colleagues and, but friends. And so um, it, it, this is, this is really, really cool. So I'm really thankful that I'm able to work with you both. And uh, thanks again for being on the podcast. This, this, this was great. And I'm excited to see what happens with ReSocial. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. For more on Academics Amigos, be sure to follow us and check out our new website at www.academicsamigos.com. There you can check out past episodes and current episodes as well. And be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This episode was hosted, produced by Anthony Ramirez. Until next time, my friends, hasta luego, be cool, stay awesome.